So I want to let you know the youth are having a car wash this afternoon right at, right at the end of the service time here. And it's to raise funds for the uh, sound equipment for the youth and, and for some scholarships for some things that are happening in this, this summer. Um, if you don't need your car washed, um, just go by and give them some cash. All right with you? All right. <clears throat> and that's right after service this morning. I want to thank the, the uh, team that's uh, ministering to our youth right now for all that they're doing, keeping things going strong. Thank you. Uh, you know, we've had, we've had some people that have, uh, we, uh, we sung it, we sang it, we sung it, we, we verbalized it in music <laughs> this morning that this is a house of miracles, right? And uh, we often need miracles, don't we? So I, <clears throat> some of you may not know, but I think most of, most of us do because uh, <clears throat> um, Tammy's done a great job of getting the word out to be praying for Joe Zirato. Joe has uh, been in, in the uh, ER for oh, weeks and weeks and um, has, has done better. He's back in his own room, uh, and he, uh, it was a heart situation that, that affected other organs in the body, and he came close to death. It was a real true resurrection story in all of this, and, um, but it looks like he may come home tomorrow. So this is great news. Great news. Uh, so, but continue to pray for them. The whole family's just been through on a marathon of working through this. He's been down in Santa Clara, so Colleen and, and, and her daughter have been da- living down there in a hotel all of this time and just fighting for his life. <clears throat> so we need to pray for strength for the whole family. And then Mark Morris and Mark and his wife have been a part of this church for a long, long time. He was one time part of our eldership board and... Uh, this week, he ended up being rushed to the hospital with desperately low uh, sodium levels, and uh, they're working on that. Uh, had a, a turn for the better yesterday uh, when he, they, they stopped feeding him sodium, and he yet continued to climb in his, le- in his levels. So we're really thankful for that, but be in prayer for them as they, uh, as they go through this together, them and the family. And then, you know, you, is Ted still here? Did he, did he leave? Dead. Right there. He's everywhere. He is omnipresent. <clears throat> Ted is, is just, has been here longer than I've been here and just a precious man. And, and he's, uh, he's working through the, the attack of cancer in his body and we're standing with him. But I just would encourage you to continue to pray for him, uh, for continued healing that, it's, that it just keeps going, more and more healing, more and more healing, strength his body, restoration of all the uh, destruction that the cancer has done. Uh, Lord, we're just praying, I'm praying this as I'm hearing, I'm praying this, declaring that into his body right now as we reach our hands towards him and we declare that together, absolute healing, the destruction of cancer cells and the raising up of healthy, vital cells in his body in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, that he be the next story that we get to tell. He gets to be the next story that we get to tell. And Lord, we do pray for Mark as he recovers. Lord, let that continue. Let nothing get in the way of that. Let his family have hope and sense of joy in the midst of the, this struggle. And for, and for Joe, we thank you so much for what you have done. And we just pray for continued strength into his body and into the family in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, guys. 
Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive. <laughs> this is the house of miracles, okay? All right. It's good. I, I, I've got a couple other things I'm supposed to talk about here. Oh, yeah. The bookstore, uh, Cece in the bookstore, please go by and, and, and encourage her. She sits in there and, and serves us so well every week. And there are great resources in there, by the way, just great, great, powerful resources. She wanted me to talk about one of my books, <clears throat> and uh, I didn't hesitate to say yes, because uh, it's, it's probably my, my favorite book to have written. Deb and I wrote it together, Heroes of Hope, and it's stories of people who have gone through very difficult things and, and stayed in hope in the midst of that and not only uh, came out with victory, but they brought other people with them. You know, it's just that, that kind of way the kingdom works. And, um, and I felt like th- there's one story in here particularly that kind of fits where I want to talk about this, what I want to talk about this morning. So let me read just a little bit of this story and you try to figure out who I'm talking about. This is a historical, historical figure. David fell onto the bed completely exhausted from the long, grueling hours of labor at the mill in his hometown of Blanthry, Lackenshire, Scotland. At the age of 11, David was already a veteran employee of the mill, having started when he was 10 due to the needs of his poverty-stricken family. Every day was the same in young David's life and would be for the next 14 years. He would get up before the sun was evident in the sky, labor wearisome hours at the mill, and return home after the sun had dropped below the horizon. This existence was not the life that young David had hoped for. It certainly did not answer the longing that had slowly crept into his heart and was increasingly capturing his thoughts and dreams. As David fell off to sleep, he whispered what he so often wondered on those countless nights like this one. Am I dreaming an impossible dream? David's vision beyond the mill was not fueled by a desire to escape hard work. For his father, a Sunday school teacher in the village Protestant church, had instilled in him the importance of a strong work ethics as well as the value of faith. David's aspiration for his future came instead from his love of science and exploration. Each night after the hours at the mill, he would study geology the natural world, and other sciences as well as religion. He dreamt of exploring unexplored places and bringing aid to those in need of hope. Anyone guess who it is? David Livingston, the once young boy asleep on his bed, dreaming of the potential of his future, would soon discover that the road that leads to the reality of things hoped for is never simply handed to a person. Its realization requires a willingness to engage the impossible and fight through the opposing circumstances. Anybody like this book? I'll give it away. Okay. The man who moves. The man who moves, man. You got it. God bless you. Yeah. And we've got, you know, I was going to say you can get it in the bookstore, but I went ahead and gave it away anyway. You can't get it in the bookstore. I encourage you to get hold of that book and give it to somebody that's just looking for, you know, we are wired for story. I don't know if you know that. We're wired for story. And uh, the way, way God communicates often is in story. So I encourage you to get that book. Um, so this morning I want, to talk about, <clears throat> I want to talk about living between a rock and a hard place. Ever feel that way? Yeah. <laughs> You're almost too tired right now to, to really say yes, right? Because it can be a, a difficult place to, to live, 
Um, so I want to tell, I want, I want this story to uh, be told out of a story in the, New, in the Old Testament about Jonathan and his armor bearer. Many of you know the story. <clears throat> uh, let me just, uh, chapter 13 of, uh, of 1 Samuel. There's a lot of this background to the story. I'm not going to give you that background. You can read it on your own, 1 Samuel chapter 13. And then in chapter 14, this story gets picked up. We're going to start reading there in a minute. But let me just give a little bit of that background. The nation of Israel once again in a fight with the Philistines. This just seemed to happen quite often, right? And, it, and, and as it often is with them, they are absolutely outnumbered and they are outgunned, if you will. There was about 3,000 men uh, in the, uh, excuse me, Israel started with 3,000 men until the Philistines showed up. And, then, and the Philistines showed up with what is described in the Bible as an innumerable amount of people, of soldiers. 3,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen against 3,000 men. Well, those 3,000 men decided this was not a good fight, and they ran for the hills, literally. They went into caves and hid in caves, except for 600 of the men, and Saul and, Dave and Jonathan. That's what was left. In, in the whole entire Israeli army, there were two men who had swords or spears, and that was Saul and Jonathan. In the entire army, are you getting this? A little bit outgunned, don't you think? Yeah. And then we pick up the story. <clears throat> Excuse me, boy, my throat's got a problem today. At chapter 14, verse 1. Now, it happened one day. Oh, by the way, just before this, this, this takes place, the, uh, the army that's against them, the Philistine army, breaks up into, into bands of men that are going to ra- do raiding in the country there. So now it happened on uh, one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Genosis. He did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahijah, who is Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. In other words, this is how they discern the will of the Lord. But the people did not know that Jonathan was gone. Let me say again who he's sitting with. He's sitting with the nephew of a man by the name of Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. He was born at the time that Israel lost the Ark of the Covenant. So his mother named him Ichabod. So that's, that's, what, that's the culture he was born into. We've just lost it all. We've just lost it all. The glory of God has departed. And Saul is sitting with that man. The nephew of that man who was born into that kind of culture. It's a significant, we'll talk about it later. So, uh, but, but the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by with which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. 
In other words, he was what? Between the rock and a hard place. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sina. And I'm going down to verse 6 here. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor. By, by the way, let me make note that Jonathan actually puts himself in the rock, between the rock and the hard place. By choice, he chose that place. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, Do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you, according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, Very well, let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. And if they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say to us, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has delivered them into our hands, and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrisons called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you a few things. And Jonathan, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan. And as they came after him, his armor bearer killed them. <laughs> the first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about a half acre of land. And there was trembling in the camp in the field, talking about the camp of the Philistines. And among all the people, the garrison and the raiders also trembled and the earthquake so that it was a great very great trembling. You can go on and you can read about the victory that's brought there to the nation of Israel because of what Jonathan and his armor bearer did. Caught between a rock and a hard place. I think for us, for us that walk with Jesus and want to hear his voice and go after the things that he's, he promises A little aside here. Um, we were singing that song this morning. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Was it we can't believe? He can't do it. He can't do it. Don't tell me he can't do it. Years ago, about, oh, about 20 years ago, I had a young couple that, that were part of the church and we were raising them up. Could tell that they had leadership on them. Wonderful, wonderful couple. And one day they walked into my office and they said, uh, we're leaving the church. And I said, okay, wh why are you leaving the church? He said, because you're praying for the sick and actually believing that they'll be healed. Yeah. And I said, well, what's the problem with that? Yeah. Well, if you do that and then they don't get healed, then those new believers will lose faith. <laughs> and I said, well, I think just the opposite will happen. But... Yeah. And they left the church. It was actually the testimony of many people. And as we're singing that song this morning, I'm remembering that moment when once again I had to say inside of me, 
we're not going back. We're not going to stop believing in healing. We're not going to stop going after it as if it's already been done. That couple, by the way, uh, met with me. Uh, he met with me several years later. And he's, huh? Quite a few years later. And he's ministering in another church. And he comes up to me and he says, Pastor Dave, he said, you are the only pastor my kids know as their pastor. I want to say to you, I am so sorry for what I said. I didn't get it. Let's not be those who don't get it and wait several years before we get it. Yeah? But the rock in a hard place for us can often be that prophetic word on one side. The promises of God. Our hopes and dreams on one side. And then the circumstances we live in right now. That's a rock in a hard place. And, and if we stand in the middle of that. And we've willingly put ourselves into that place believing that what is prophesied into the house, what's prophesied into our lives, what's prophesied into our family is actually going to come to pass. But we live with the reality of where we're at right now that competes with that word. It's a rock and a hard place. And it feels like at times, maybe I'm the only one. I, I know you guys have much greater faith than I do. But sometimes it feels impossible to bridge those two things. Feel that way ever? So in this story, there are three things I want to point to that will help us when we are in that place of a rock and a hard place. And it could be any number of things for you that just seems impossible now to get where you want to go, where you believe you need to be, where God has promised you to go. But I want to declare to you that the, the very place you're standing in is the place that will produce the victory and the breakthrough. So here's three things. I'm going, to, I'm going to quickly do this. One is, first of all, acknowledge the potential gain. Acknowledge what can happen when the breakthrough comes. Acknowledge what it's going to look like when that prophetic word comes to pass. Acknowledge what it's going to look like when, you, when your dream becomes more than just a dream. It becomes a reality. Acknowledge the potential gain. Jonathan, he knew he was outnumbered. Jonathan knew he had the only other sword in the entire army. He knew he could not win without God. And it says, and he said, and may it be that God will fight for us. May it be. That was not a statement of doubt. That was a declaration that if God doesn't go with us, we're dead. This is an impossible thing. But with God, it's not impossible. That's what Jonathan was saying. And we, when we are in impossible situation, it's not bad to say, this is impossible. It's okay. But that's not where our focus is. That's not, where we, it, that's not what we acknowledge in the depth of our heart. We acknowledge what's going to be like when we're, when we're past that place. When we're faced with an impossibility, there are two things we should never do. One is ignore it. Don't ignore the impossibility of the challenge that's in front of you. 
Because if you just pretend that it's not there, then what that builds in us is an arrogance that we can take it on ourselves. You get it? And, and then we become our own savior and it doesn't work. And where that places us is a place of defeat and ultimately it leaves us stuck in that place. No matter how much you declare, if you're not understanding that you, it, it is impossible without Jesus, it's impossible without God, then you'll never get out of that place. <laughs> the second thing is don't magnify the impossibility. Are you getting this? You know, and we do that oftentimes, we investigate it, right? We overthink it. We, uh, we just do those things where we, you know, we focus on it in such a way, study it and, and just see what it's all about and why is it this way? And, and as we do that, it gets larger and larger and larger and larger. It's like Ted and I were talking this morning we sometimes know too much about our disease. It's not about our disease. It's about the healer. So we acknowledge the other side of cancer when God brings healing. We acknowledge it's real. Do you understand? Because if we don't, that, that thing will just continue to grow and intimidate us. This is why often when you're praying for the sick, I encourage you, don't let them tell their whole story. Because by the time they tell their whole story, you're going, you got to find somebody else to pray for you because I don't have any faith. Am I right or am I right? right? We learned that with by Randy Clark. He taught us that so often. Just find the, the quick, find out what's wrong. Don't listen to the whole story because if you listen to the whole story, you'll lose your faith. So don't magnify the impossibility. Instead of magnifying the impossibility of it or ignoring it, focus on the potential gain, not the possible failure. When you magnify a giant that stands in your way, it grows in its power over you. But when you acknowledge it and focus on the possibility for victory, you, you grow bigger than it because of the God in you is now recognized as greater than that. You know, the story of Caleb and Joshua is, you know, coming home from spying out the land, and there's 10 who just absolutely are focused on what's, what's the challenge in front of them. And honestly, it was an impossibility. The people in the land were as big as the 10, ten uh, spies originally thought they were, but the more they talked about it, the more they looked at them, the more they focused on them, the bigger and bigger their enemy got and the smaller and smaller they became. And it was Joshua and Caleb that stood in the midst of that and said, if the Lord delights in us, he will give us the land. Don't fear the people. It was an impossible situation. So when we face the impossible, we need to face it with it. It may be that God is for us and not against us. Face it with, like Peter, who, who Jesus said, I want you to go out and go fishing. Peter says, this is the wrong time. We don't fish in this time because you don't catch anything in this time of the day. We fished all night and we caught nothing. But Jesus says, I want you to go. And Peter says, nevertheless, at your word, I'll go. We need to live with a nevertheless. What if? That positive what if. So we need, we need to acknowledge the potential gain. 
Secondly, activate the possible. If you need a miracle to do the impossible, then do the possible. Turn to somebody and say, I know you're asleep, but I'm not, and I heard that. Do the possible. You say, well, it's so impossible, I don't know what to do. No, there's something you can do. Jonathan had one sword and his armor bearer. One sword. And he used it to bring breakthrough. The disciples had a few loaves of bread and two fish, and they gave it to Jesus, and it fed 5,000 people plus, plus women and children. That's all they had. It wasn't enough. Gideon had 300 men, a horn, a vase, and a stick <laughs> against 135,000 troops, trained troops. But he took those, those, what he had in his hand, and he took, it on, took on the enemy and defeated them. He surrounded 135,000 men with 300 men. Yeah. We got ya. Do something. You know, the interesting that Saul had a sword and 600 men. Jonathan had a sword and an armor bearer. Who is the one that took what's in his hand and used it? Saul says, sat under the tree, magnifying the problem. Trying to figure out what to do. But Jonathan takes his sword and brings victory. Saul set. Jonathan acted. You know the story of Moses. God's calling him. He's looking at a bush that burns but never goes away. And you would think that would stir something up in Moses, right? How many of you would stand before that, hear the voice of the Lord, the bush is not burning up, and you're going, I can't do this. That's, that was Moses. God said, I want you to go to Pharaoh, the land of Egypt, which was the greatest nation in the world at the time. He was calling him to do something that was absolutely impossible. He put him in a rock and a hard, between a rock and a hard place. Here's the word of the Lord, and here's the, here's the reality. And Moses said, can't do it. Used every, every excuse in the book until... God had him assess his resources. Sometimes we need to assess the resources we do have. We know what we don't have. What do we have? And he called him to assess his resources and said to him, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? And Moses is like, "It's, it's a rod. I use it every day. I've been 40 years in this wilderness using this. What do you, what do you want with this? But once he activated that sword in his hand, then he divided the Red Sea. (laughs) He brought water out of a rock. What's your sword? What's your rod that you're holding? You don't even realize it's because it's everyday things. Things you don't recognize are resources that God has in your hand for you to activate. Let me ask you this question. What are you saving for a rainy day? 
What are you saving for a rainy day? Well, if you're facing an impossibility, a giant that you need to get breakthrough on, you better check the weather. I think it's raining. Hello? I think it's raining. If you're faced with an impossibility and you've been saving something for a rainy day, it might be this is, this is the day you've been waiting for. But isn't it true when the rainy days come, we still want to hoard what we have in our hand? Come on, let's be honest. What if this isn't the rainy day? Right? What if this isn't the one? Or if I, do, if I, if I put this at risk and it keeps raining, then what do I do? Well, it might be in the kingdom, this is how it works. We, we give what, we can, what, what we're saving up and we put that in and if it keeps raining, then we just might have to trust God. I'm just thinking. Doing the possible draws the attention of heaven and attracts the resources to overcome the impossible. There's a story in the Old Testament. Again, Israeli army is in trouble. They've marched around for many, many days. Their water's running out. It's hot. It's dusty. They're worn out. Their leaders are worn out. Everything. And God says, I want you to dig some ditches. You want us to what? It's hot. We need water. Dig some ditches. But we're facing a huge army that once again is bigger than us. Better trained than us. Has more weapons than we do. Uh Uh-huh. Dig some ditches. There's one thing you can do. You can't win against them. You can't suck water out of a rock, but you can dig a ditch. Because that's what I'm asking you to do. You still have some strength left? Spend it digging that ditch. I still can stand? Stand digging that ditch. And he digs, they dig the ditches. And I believe that when we do the possible, it attracts heaven's resources. And when they dug those ditches, it attracted the water. And water flooded down the hills and filled all of those ditches. And when the enemy looked at them, They were shimmering. The sun was shimmering on the water and they ran in fear. And they got water. Do you see what I'm saying? When you, you you always have something to do, even if it's only pray. And I I use the word only in, in a negative sense and it shouldn't be. When you can't find anything else to do, pray because God will then show you what you can do. When you're in that rock in a hard place to bring about breakthrough, he will show that to you. One of my favorite people in the whole world now with Jesus, uh, quite a few years ago, went to be with the Lord, uh, Talatala Kamawanga, who is a leader of a, of a big church in, in Fiji. He's the one that invited us into Fiji. He's one of my heroes. Uh, he told a story. We, we came when the big building that seats about 4,000 people was not quite finished, needed a balcony, which we went after that and helped build and uh, needed to finish the roof, but they allowed us, he, he wanted us to have 
a service there while we were there, so we did. It was the first time we were there. And he, he told us the story. He said, when, we, when it first started, God told, asked, told me to build this building. They were in a little tiny church that was probably the size of, a little bit bigger than, than the room over there. The, uh, hmm? No, no, it wasn't as big as the gym. No. About the size of our foyer. Maybe just a little bit bigger. Seven services. God was doing some cool stuff with him. And he said, I, I got this amount of money. I don't remember how much it was, but he says, some money came to us and I, we had the property and I thought, man, I can build this building with this. So he started building the building. He got three, they did it with block and it's a huge building. They, they got three levels of block up and he was totally out of money. And he's now between a rock and a hard place. Because the Lord has said, I want you to build this. He's, he's now given over all of his resources. And the, the city that he lived in, and grew up in, knew him as a drunkard before he came to Jesus. And so they began to make fun of him. This was Kama's folly. Had this huge outline of a building, three, three blocks high, and it sat there for months. Finally, he woke up one day. He stood before his people and he said, my wife and I have enough for three more blocks. We're going to go tomorrow and we're going to buy three blocks. And we're going to put those three blocks on that wall. And when we get enough to buy three more, we're going to do it again. And we stood in that building. Pardon? Took him 17 years but a block at a time. And the people rallied. And I want to tell you, they, they were still receiving offerings for their building when we were there. And it had been 17 years. But the joy that they had when they took that offering, when they received that offering, when people would bring forth, and they've been doing this for 17 years. But they had joy in the giving. And they were seeing the building go up and being finished. And then we got to partner with them. What is it? When you dig the ditches, you attract heaven's resources. We were part of that resource. We went in and we built that balcony for them. We were there at the dedication of their building. I got to go. And I walked over to one section of the building. It wasn't the main auditorium. It was another building they built with our help. And on, on the on the on the wall is this plaque, the house of David. And had our name, name of this church, underneath it, dedicated to this church. You, 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 you attract the resources of heaven. You don't do it by storing up. You do it by giving up. Let's do it. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Is that, I, you okay? So we started, you know, ministry in Fiji because of this man allows, allowed us to do it. We started a school about now, a little over 10 years ago. And we didn't, didn't have enough money to get a building, but we, by faith, stepped into it. And 
Now the school's in a, in a leased building in town. It's really important, wherever you work in missions, that you plant in the ground, that you actually show the people that you're not here just to get pictures. You're here to really make a difference. And it's really important. You, you know what I'm talking about, Ron. He's done it. Ethiopia? Oh, Ethiopia? Liberia. Liberia. I knew I didn't have it right. Liberia. And so we did that. And, and the team has been so faithful in all of that. And I just got a call yesterday. I sent Mark Crawford to be over there. I can't go right now. But he, he went and met with the team and then met with a man by the name of Esaroma who has, who has promised us to help us build a school. He, uh, he has a, he's building a city of, that will house 300,000 people right now. Christian man. He heard, he heard me speak over 20 years ago. And he says, I want to align myself with that man. Didn't know him. I didn't know him. Didn't know anything about him until about eight years ago, maybe now. Not that long. Well, that's 13 years. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a while back. Uh, he was talking to, to our director of the school. And, the, guy, and, and uh, the director said, yeah, this is a school. And he started explaining the school we're doing. He said, Dave Crone is the international direct, uh, founder of that school. Uh, and he said, David Crone, I know that name. I know that name. He said, yeah. He says, I want to connect with him. I want to give him some property. And he gave us 20, I met with him. He says, I've got 20 acres on the edge of this property where we're going to build this city and you can have it. I want you to go look at it and see if you want it. So I went and looked at it and it was a beautiful piece of property. You could see the ocean from it. It already had a couple buildings on it, but there was this hill up behind it. And so when I got back to him, he said, did you like it? I said, I loved it. He said, do you want it? I said, we'll take it, but I want, I want the hill behind it too. <laughs> he said, you can have it. But here's what's happened since. That's nothing compared to what he's now giving us. He's building this city. It's already, it's, they're about to do the groundbreaking and do all the in infrastructure. And Mark met with him to get some of the details and they are going to finance all of our buildings. And then they're going to set up a way for it to be sustainable for the years to come. What's the resource that's in your hand? It doesn't have to be a lot. In fact, God does more with less. Right? What's that? Yeah, just yeah, that's right. So what's in your hand? The third thing, and I, I know I need to move forward, is that we need to align with courageous allies. Align with courageous allies. This is really important. Jonathan did not tell his father. Why? Because his father had just lost the kingdom. He had just disobeyed God. And Samuel said, the kingdom's now taken out of your hand and of your, the people after you. His father had lost faith, had lost hope. He knew that if he asked his father, he would not be encouraged. Right? Dad, should we go? Absolutely not. But I really want to. Don't do it. So he knew not to al align himself with his father in this project that he was taking on. 
Again, his father was sitting under a tree taking counsel from the guy who, whose uncle was born in the time when the, the glory of the Lord had departed. So he didn't know the glory of the Lord. You get it? He didn't know how to live in that. And so Saul was taking counsel from a man who didn't know how to live in the glory. But Jonathan, he acquired an alliance with a man of courage, a man of faith, a man of loyalty, and had the breakthrough because he aligned himself with an insignificant armor bearer. Who you hang out with when you're between a rock and a hard place will determine your journey and your ultimate destination. Come on. Now listen, we need, to, we need to live among difficult people. We need to live among people that are struggling. If we need to do that, we need to pray for them, but not let them in. If you're gonna go after something, go after it with people who know how to stand in faith, who know how to, how to defeat the enemy, who know how to walk with courage and hope, even in the midst of very difficult circumstances. I was, years, years ago, I was, uh, I and a, a team were Tommy Barnett's pastor school and we, and I was really wrestling with what I knew the, the, the call of the Lord was for this, con- for this congregation. And I knew it was gonna be, it was an impossible task. I knew I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't do it and I knew we couldn't do it. But I felt it was God. And I was listening to Tommy Barnett preach and I was sitting up in like the second balcony, the you know, third level of this church, huge church. And I was trying to listen to what Tommy was, but I was wrestling on the inside with this impossibility, was caught between what I believed the word of the Lord was and, and what I knew we could or couldn't do. And Kurt Klein, dear friend, now lives in that place we don't talk about. <laughs> knew what I was dealing with and he scribbled a little note Isaiah 43, 18 and 19 behold I do a new thing you know and he said I believe in your dream that little piece of paper I carry in my Bible to this day it's 20 years ago we need people like that that walk alongside and say it's going to be okay we're going to get there it's going to happen you're not going to fail You're not going to fail. We're going to win because he's already won. You need people like this right here. And it's a little scrap of paper. But I pull it out when I need it. I have another note that I use, that I carry in my travel bag when I go into other nations and face other things like that. It's for my granddaughter. And she was, I don't know, eight years old, something like that. She scribbled this note to me. Throw a hand of fist, uh, throw a fist of of faith in the air against all the enemies of God. Something like that. I carry that in my, I look at it when I go into dark places. I pull that out and I read it. I say, thank you, Samantha. Thank you. We need people like that in our lives. Jonathan aligned himself with heaven also. And this is really important. It's not just about aligning ourselves with others of faith. It's about making sure we're aligned with heaven. 
John has said, it may be that the Lord will work for us. It just may be. For nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. That's, that's the confession we need in the dark place, in the place between a rock and a hard place. So let me ask you a question. Where's, where's your, you know, what's, what is your rock and a hard place? What is it that you feel like it's just an impossibility to bring what you want and what you feel you need and what God has promised and then what your circumstances are? What is that place for you? But what's it in your hand? There's something you can do. Am I right or am I right? You know, what's the prophetic word over your life? You know, that in itself is a sword in your hand. You can make war with that. That's what Paul said to Timothy. That word is a, is a warring word. You can go after that with that. You can declare it. You can move towards it. So who right now in the house has, or online has become aware of a sword you can activate? For your breakthrough. How many feel like you, you just, you've got a revelation during this time and you go, yep, I, I realize what it is. Why don't you stand up? I just want to pray over you right now. Here, and here's what I want to pray. I want to pray for courage and a courageous partner to come alongside of you if you don't already have one. Even as I've just now asked that question, some of it's popping, in, it's popping into your spirit right now. You didn't, you didn't realize it when I asked the question, but now you go, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, there, there is. This is a resource I can use. Okay? All right, so Father, you see these courageous people standing right now. You've placed in their heart, you've placed in their thinking something that they can use to bring the breakthrough that they've been longing for, to find the place of of uh, their dreams coming true because they're willing to invest something that's difficult to invest. Lord, we just pray for courage, 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 courage. Be strong and of good courage for the Lord your God is with you. And I pray that over you right now that you would be endued with power from on high by the Holy Spirit who is the great encourager. That courage would come into your spirit in a fresh new way. And Lord, I pray for partnerships that will come along. Someone has said that you're only one partnership away from your destiny. So I pray for that partnership to come to pass in these lives right now in Jesus' name, that they would begin to see it. It's probably somebody that they've been walking with and don't even realize it, or it could be somebody from the outside, wherever it's coming from, Lord. It could be that taxi driver that came to me, and I thought he was a chiropractor, and he helped my back until I found out he was a taxi driver. Then I just had to say, thank you, God, for bringing them from somewhere. So we believe in this right now, Lord. We believe in you and declare your truth right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. I want to, I want to talk. I, got, I, know, I know I'm running just a little bit long. Would you, you, you forgive me? Okay. The uh, rest of you, you have to deal with God, I guess. I want to make... I want to make an application of this to the house today. Those of us who call this place our home, that have been a part of it, no matter if it's been a week or the 30 years I've been here.
We are, we are in a, between a rock and a hard place as a church. We have the prophetic words and so many from the past are still active words to us. But there's also been several in the, in the near, just in the near present time that are as powerful and follow along the same line. And it has to do with greater influence, greater uh, numbers, greater ability to, to bring breakthrough for other people, a greater impact in the nations, all of those things that are being prophesied over the house right now in our present condition. But our present circumstance, we've come through COVID, which has left often many people getting used to not being in the house. Online. It's okay to be online. But we're together together. And and it once and there's been probably good reasons why many haven't done haven't come back. But then it's just become habit. Some of you wish you hadn't come this morning right now. <laughs> so I'm really opening up myself here this morning to you, your family. We've lost a lot of sig- significant people in the house. That doesn't mean they're not a, m- a tremendous amount of significant people in this room right now. You all are very much valued. And others that have stayed home and it's led to empty seats and loss of income, and resources in the house. I want to say I'm very thankful. It's been miraculous to come to this place. When our income dropped probably 40%, at the beginning of COVID. It's fluctuated back and forth, but it's pretty much stayed there. But miracles that God has brought our way, provision that we didn't know could come, came. And uh, we have our bills paid. Every bill is paid. We have not had to release or lower people's salaries on the staff, people that serve you, very faithfully. And we face the reality of that right now. The impossibility of the future if we stay where we are. But we're focusing on the potential of the words that have come to us that are coming to, that are coming to pass. Greater influence, changed lives, nations reached, families restored, bodies healed, kingdom expanding. And we're, re, we're, we're assessing our resources as a church and taking, taking those resources and activating them the best we know how. Michael Dalton, just a dear friend of this house, loves this place, was supposed to be with us a couple of months ago, if you remember, and then because at the last minute, all of the flights getting out of the Southern California area where he was were canceled. So he couldn't come at the last moment. But we gathered the staff together and, and the leadership on, I think it was Sunday night that he was supposed to be here. And we had him and his worship leader uh, just talk to us on a Zoom call. So we're all stuffed in a room back here, 
all crowded in so he could see everybody and, and uh, we could see him. And he started talking about the future of the church. And he said, you have had losses, but don't be afraid because it's in the house. It's already in the house. And what you have in the house is going to be enough. And he said it over and over and over again as he, as he talked to us, that your resources and provision are all going to be there because it's in the house. We don't need to look at it coming from the outside. It's in the house. So I want to share with you just real, real quickly, very, I mean this really, really quickly. What, what do we have in our hand as a house that we can activate? First of all, we need to always know that it's him. He's our greatest resource, right? It's him, and we activate that by aligning ourselves with him. We, we make this a place where we host his presence. Because without him, we are at an impossible place. Number two, we have our prophetic promises, and they are what we can wage war with. I've already said this. Declare them. Live as though they're already true. Make decisions as though they are true. Number two. Number three, we have a team, both staff and volunteers, influencers, we call all all of those wonderful people. And that team's not giving up. They're activating every gift, using every talent. All of their energy is going after the word that God has given to us to serve the body and put their creativity to, to, to use, to walk in wisdom and in faith and to give everything they have. We have a phenomenal team. Some of them work behind the scenes you don't see, but they are committed to the vision of the house. We have a team. We also have each other. This is a huge resource sitting in this room right now. Faithful people who are generous and kind and praying. Praying people. Let me say this. I need a little courage. This is, you don't have any idea what's in this. <laughs> Sip a little courage here. <laughs> Hallelujah. If this place between a rock and a hard place is going to become the ground of prophetic promises realized, it will take all of us picking up a sword, the sword we do have, partnering with God and activating that sword in faith for the house. If we don't, we will become what we decided never to be, a a museum Instead of a mission station, that's what it will be. A place of old stories and great memories. Instead of a force for the kingdom of God. I love the old stories. They're like, for me, they're like for David standing and saying, I've killed the bear and I've killed the lion. But he didn't stop there. He said, and this giant's going down too. That's, what's, that's the good of those things. But that's all we'll have if we don't each pick up a sword and do what we can do. Ryan, Dez, and Deb, and I, along with the leadership team of this church, declare boldly, not on our watch. Not on our watch. We will not become a museum. We will stay a mission station 
that has vision beyond the, the, the doors of this church. Thank you. Not on our watch. Not on our watch. Now your sword may, may simply be, you know, the ability to invite somebody to come and see. And maybe the sword of yielding to the word of the Lord that's in your heart that you've been afraid to, to activate. It, could, it may be picking up, again, the sword of faithful giving to the ministry. Or simply swing that sword one more time as you continue to do it. It may be yielding your gifts and talents to increase the effectiveness of the ministries within the mission. You're needed. It may be as simple as giving a cup of cold water to the one who's thirsty that walks through these doors. Or out in the community and you say, I'd like, you to bring, I'd like to bring you to a place that will love you and will show you how much God loves you. It could be that simple. To those listening online this, this morning, I want to I say, if you've gotten out of the habit of coming, gathering in community, it's time for you to pick up the sword and come back. And it might be just simply engage again. Engage again with your roots. You're needed. You're not only needed, you're, you're so welcome. You've been missed. Just come on. Welcome home. Welcome home. So it's important. Joe, if you'll be ready up there, please. It's important in this time when we're in this rock and a hard place between our prophetic words and our present reality that we remind ourselves who we really are. We have decided. 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 We have decided that teaching the gospel without demonstrating the gospel is not enough. We have decided that having a good church club is not enough. Good fellowship is not enough. And just being a member of that club is not enough. We have decided that having good Bible studies is good, but it's not good enough. That just making it to heaven is not our goal. That knowing about God without truly knowing God or experiencing Him is meaningless. We have decided that having good programs is not enough. That change without transformation is intolerable. And that staying the same is not an option. We have decided that gifting without character is futile. We have decided that singing songs without worshiping is shallow. And having meetings without God showing up is pointless. We have decided that faith without works is not enough. Having works without love is unacceptable. We have decided that reading about the book of Acts without living the book of Acts is unthinkable. We have decided that confident faith is good and bold is better. We have decided that hearing about the Holy Spirit without experiencing Him is silly. That believing in His presence without seeing it manifested through signs and wonders is hypocrisy. That believing in healing without seeing people healed is absurd. And that believing in deliverance without people being delivered is absolutely ridiculous. We have decided to be Holy Spirit filled 
Holy Spirit led and Holy Spirit empowered. Anything less does not work for us. We have decided to be the ones telling about God's power and not just the ones hearing about them. We have decided that living saved but not supernatural living is living below our privilege and short of what Christ died for. We have decided that we are a battleship, not a cruise ship. An army, not an audience. Special forces, not spectators. Missionaries, not club members. We have decided to value both pioneers and settlers. Pioneers to expand our territory and settlers to build on those territories. But we are not squatters. People who take up space, others have fought for without improving it. We have decided to be infectious instead of innocuous, contagious instead of quarantined, deadly instead of benign. We've decided to be radical lovers and outrageous givers. We have decided that it is better to fail while reaching for the impossible that God has planned for us than succeed, settling for less. We have decided that nothing short of His kingdom come, His will be done, in our world as it is in heaven will satisfy. We have decided that we will not be satisfied until our world freaks out and cries out. Those who have turned the world upside down have come here too. We have decided that we are a mission station, not a museum. Therefore, we honor the past, live in the present, and put our eyes on the future. We see past events as stepping stones, not stop signs. We are people of engagement, not observation. We raise up world changers, not tour guides. We train up commandos, not committees. We are people of our destiny, not our history. Therefore, we are the mission. We are the mission. We Why don't you stand up with me, please? Deb, would you come on up here, please? Some of you in the house that are responsible for overseeing some of our finances are wondering, is he going to take an offering this morning? Is he going to give them an opportunity to give? And yes, I am right now. I don't want Deb uh, to share. So I want you to get ready just respond listen I didn't preach this sermon to get a bigger offering a single bigger offering is not going to make the difference but what will make the difference is our personal responses to what you know God is calling you to that will make a difference in your life and will make an ultimate difference in the mission when that hello yes okay when the office contacted me this Last week to do the offering this morning, I um, did not know this is the context that I would be doing it, and actually didn't even know that this morning until I got to church. Um, but I was asking when I was getting ready today, I said, "Lord, I don't, I don't have anything for this morning. I think Dave should just do it. You know, <laughs> I'm trying to have, you know, make a deal, and um, and I'm like, but I'll do it." As long as I know what you want to say. You know what I mean? If you don't have anything to say, then I'm not your girl, you know. Um, It's not going to happen. And and immediately, this scripture came into my heart. 
So do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your, your treasure is, your heart will be also. Honestly, I just kind of said, my response was, well, that's really nice. <laughs> I'm just being honest. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like, yeah, I know that. You know what I mean? Like, and what else? Yeah. And what's the therefore? And all of a sudden, he said, you have the ability to make something that is temporal into something eternal. We can, as his people, access an attribute of God. When we take our finances and put them into the kingdom, we're taking something that is very temporal, can be lost in a moment, and we put it in the kingdom, and it has now become eternal. It becomes everlasting. It has life breathed on it from heaven it is no longer just of this earth all right we're going to uh, we're going to once again declare the prophetic word that Ivan brought to us. We're going to declare it out loud. This is part of activating the word. This is part of how you do it. Because the more you hear yourself say it, the more you begin to believe it, the more you begin to act on it. So we're going to do that again. And then when we're finished with that, you give your offerings. I'd like, guys, if you, if you could bring the war chest down, is that possible? That'd be great. We've got a few people out this morning that are on various assignments, so, uh, but I think there's some guys that can do that back there. We're going to do that, and uh, listen, I think, uh, you stay in, stay in the key you're in, I think, uh, too good to not believe. All right, you ready to make a declaration? This is a not on my watch declaration, all right? Man, you're looking at me like you're, like you're scared. Let me, let me declare something to you. I'm not coming to you as a man who's afraid. We've lived through greater, rougher, more difficult times than this. We've killed the bear and we've killed the lion. This giant's going down too. So we come in absolute confidence. First in our God. And secondly, in you, myself, we all have a part to play. So I'm not coming in fear. And don't you, don't you leave this place in fear or, or concern or worry. No, go with confidence and say, God, what do I do? How do, where's my sword? How do I lift it? Where do I, where do I wield that sword? So you ready to declare these things? Okay, here we go. We declare that the time for being led by fear is over. Therefore, we embrace the Holy Spirit as our guide and comfort. And fear will not dictate our decisions. We declare 
that the time for staying home and away from our root system is over. Therefore, we give ourselves to be planted deep into the soil of relationship with God and others. We declare that the season of multiplication is at our door. Therefore, we will open wide the door and welcome the harvest. We declare that the season of unnecessary warfare is coming to an end. Therefore, the voice of the empowered church will be heard in the land and the giants of opposition will fall. We declare that nothing has the power to stop the move of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we partner for His purposes to be done in our lives, our families, and our world. We declare the season of filling, not emptying, is upon us, and His glory and His people will occupy the house. Therefore, we present ourselves as vessels for His blessings and His power. We declare that no debt can survive in the atmosphere of our generosity. Therefore, we give ourselves as conduits of poverty-breaking prosperity and liberality. And we declare that we will have resources enough and more than enough to meet every need and fund every dream. Come on. Father, we lift those as declarations before you and before our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We declare those things over those that are watching, the precious souls that are online right now from all over the world. We thank you for the call of this house, that it has some uniquenesses that this city needs. And so we just simply declare these things in your presence and say yes and amen to what you have already declared over this house. And we stand on this place that is a rock and a hard place right now. But like Jonathan, we say, if you are for us, who can be against us? And we yield ourselves to that right now. And even as we give our offering, as we give our tithes and offerings right now, that these will be declarations of not just our presence, present, but declarations of our future. Pray it according to your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can give at the giving stations. You can give up here in the war chest. You can give it online. I see everybody grabbing their phones. That's great. So let's sing this. Let's sing this song.
the ministry team come on down. Love to pray for those of you who need healing in your body, need restoration in your soul, need financial miracles. We're here to pray for you. We want so much to bless you. So if that's you this morning, come on up. And uh, these people will are ready. They're, they're anxious. They want to see God work in you. So if you have those concerns, you have those needs, just come on up and these people will pray for you. God bless you. We'll see you again later this week. Have a great week in the Lord. Find the sword and use it in your own life. Find the sword and use it. God bless you.